Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all of them, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 137. So I'm going to make this intro really brief because I just got off um, a Zoom call recording the intro, I'm sorry, recording this episode, and I'm so excited for you to get to it. So you're listening to this intro as um, audio only, but when we flip to the actual interview, if you want to watch it on YouTube, you can watch it as well. So you got two ways to consume the podcast this week, uh, visually or just in kind of the traditional podcast route in the audio version only. So. Um, it's June 28th, 2021, Monday, as usual. I, I always love to record on Mondays. And today I have a really special guest on. And the, the special aspect of it is, is not only this person who is obviously, when you when you meet her, you're going to just be bowled over by how energetic and, and awesome and just really channeling um, so much of what um, is is just obviously powerful practice uh, and powerful beingness. Um, you are also gonna be just enthralled with her story, her personal story of how she created her business as it exists today, her story of her journey of how she got here and also her offer, which is really, really cool. And I have a feeling that a lot of you by the end of this episode are going to be enrolling in her program because it's just a really, really amazing uh, program on its own, as well as an opportunity for you to learn so much about yourself. So in today's episode, you're going to meet Natanya Stambouli. And Natanya and I met um, in an interesting way in that she was interviewed recently on a podcast that um, is called the Mind Your Business Podcast. And this podcast is hosted by a business mentor of mine, James Wedmore. I have uh, been a part of James Wedmore's business, entrepreneurial business community uh, for a couple of years now, and she is as well. We both uh, took advantage of James, James's amazing program called Business by Design. And her story of launching her online component of her business, which you'll hear about in this episode, is what landed her a spot on James's podcast. And when I listened to her story, I was so intrigued by it and so inspired by it. I knew I wanted her on my podcast and she was gracious enough to say yes. And so in short order, you're going to hear this episode that is going to just blow your mind in terms of all the amazing things that she is doing. So I want to just give you uh, just a quick um, little bit of background on Natanya before you actually meet her on the podcast. So Natanya is um, an experienced registered yoga teacher at the 500 hour level, and she earned her 200 hour certification in 2015 with Cheryl Moss and Kate Dunn at Goda Yoga. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And has her 300 hour certification in 2020 with Noah Mays. She has over 200 additional hours of advanced training with Laughing Lotus. Annie Carpenter has taught over 5,000 class hours and has led multiple teacher trainings at her former Los Angeles yoga studio, which is called Soul 
play yoga. She now owns and runs Yogi Flight School, which is an online inversions and arm balance program and Soul Tribe Adventures, leading retreats around the world. So I, I you know, that intro, um, as in-depth as it is, um, will just be a springboard into just an amazing conversation you're going to hear. And I really think that you're going to just be lit up uh, just hearing her story as I was. So let's get into that episode. I can't wait for you to meet Natanya Stambouli. Here we go. Okay. All right. So there you are. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So I'm going to record an intro after the fact, so we can just kind of dive right in. I would love to know where you are coming in from. I am in Mexico right now. Lovely. What part? In Merida, which is in the Yucatan Peninsula on the Caribbean side. I'd never heard of it until a friend of mine moved here recently. Awesome. And are you living there? What? Give me the context. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the digital nomad thing. So living there for the next four months and then, um, and then to be determined. So we're Airbnb in random places. Awesome. Now, where were you based out of before? I was in Los Angeles for the last 15 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So how are you? I'm in Boston. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So how did it come to be, I mean, how long have you been on the road, so to speak? I've been on the road since February. So what, three, four months? Okay. Four this months? February. Okay. So it wasn't like as soon as the lockdowns happened, it was some period of time after that. Yeah. 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 I owned a yoga studio in LA and we did the whole online yoga studio thing for a year before I let that go and moved on to the next thing. So, Got it. Mm-hmm. so I definitely, I definitely want to dive into that. Um, you know, I think for my listeners, my listeners are somewhat different from the listening community that you and I are part of outside of the yoga world, which is the James Wedmore business by design, mind your business podcast, entrepreneurial community. Um, so I just, and I'll actually probably say this in the intro, but just to reiterate, if someone's listening and didn't catch the intro, you and I met because I listened last week to a podcast interview that you had mm-hmm. and you were interviewed by James Wedmore, who I consider my business mentor. Um, I actually did have a chance to meet him last year. So I can even say I met him in person, which makes it even a little bit more impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I listened to your podcast episode with him, um, it, it was just like something in my head just inspired me. And I was like, I really want to find out more about this person. And I think what she has to share would be so helpful and relevant to my listener community. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just cool because I don't always have an intersection of those worlds. I, and I don't know about for you, but I know mm-hmm. for me, my teaching community slash world is very separate, separate from my digital entrepreneurship world. And so this is a chance to really interview someone who's part of both worlds for me. (laughs) So I really, I really um, uh, appreciate you taking the time to be on. And I love having this intersection of worlds to do it on. Yeah, I'm grateful to you for for asking me to be on. It's super yeah. cool for me. I'm like, wait, what? Me? Really? Cool. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so so let's do this. Why don't we just kind of backtrack a little bit? And you know, especially because because of that, I don't want to call it like a separation, but because of my listeners being really immersed in the yoga world, I would love to know how you got into teaching. So tell us a little bit about that, even before you owned your studio. Yeah, so I was, um, I had been practicing for about six years and never, ever thought I was going to teach like at all. I, I didn't even consider doing a teacher training because I was like, no, I just love this. This is my time to be with me. It's my thing to do after work. And, um, and I just wanted to keep it at that. And then one day I showed up to class. Um, I used to practice at Equinox gyms in Los Angeles. So kind of fancy schmancy gyms with an amazing yoga program. 
and um, I showed up to my 7 a.m. class and I had a job that just like killed my soul. So I really needed my yoga. And I showed up to my 7 a.m. class and the teacher didn't show. And so we're waiting 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then the front desk comes in and goes, guys, there's not going to be a class today. Sorry, we can't locate the teacher. And I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh, you're not sending me to work without my yoga. There's no way. So I kind of just I had this moment of like this voice inside me was like, get up, teach the class, get up, teach the class. And I don't know. I don't know how to teach the class, but I had been practicing every day for six years. So I, I, I knew exactly what I was doing. And I was a natural kind of performer, stand in front of the room and talk to people kind of person. So I just stood up and was like, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm, I need my yoga. So I'm going to take my mat and put it at the front of the room and I'm going to do a flow and I will do my best to speak out loud what I'm doing. And you can follow along with me or you can leave. I don't care, but I'm staying in the room and about half the class left and the other class half stayed. And I impromptu taught my first yoga class that day. And I walked out of that room feeling like I can't even describe the feeling. I was on cloud nine. I felt more aligned, more in the flow than I had ever in my like foreseeable past. And I was like, oh, wow, something just opened up for me here. And so I posted about it on Facebook. I was like, oh my God, I taught my first yoga class and I didn't expect it. And it was so amazing. And as a response to that post, my very favorite teacher goes, oh, that's awesome. I'm running a teacher training starting two weeks from now. You should join. And I was like, universe, are you speaking universe? And the crazy part is that that happened twice. I first, I said no to the teacher training. And then I showed up to another class and Equinox is impeccable with their teacher attendance schedule. They do not mess around. So for that to happen twice in a short period of time, the second time the teacher's wife went into labor before he could make it and they got a sub, but the sub was going to be 10 minutes late. So I got up and I started the class just because I'm a control (laughs) freak and that's what I do. And in a span of two, three weeks for that to happen twice at an institution like Equinox, I was like, that is like a gift from the heavens. I don't believe in that stuff necessarily, but I do now. And, and, and I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm signing up for my teacher training. And I did with no real intention to teach. Although at that point I knew I was going to love it within two weeks. As soon as we dug into the yamas and niyamas, I was like, okay, I have to quit my job. I have to leave the relationship I'm in. I have to stop the way, all the ways in which I'm poisoning myself. And, and I, like, I have no choice. I was like up against all of my stuff. And that was the beginning of a new life, so to speak. So I left the relationship, quit the job and went all in. And I was teaching full-time within two, three months of completing teacher training. Wow. That's unbelievable. Now, what were you doing before? Like when you say you quit your job, was it something that you were, I know you had said you had a love-hate relationship with it, but was it a career? Was it, it was a hate-hate relationship with it. I was a marketing director for a wholesale company. Okay. I worked in a warehouse in an office with no windows. I went in at 7 a.m. I came out at 5, 6 p.m. I barely saw the sunlight um, yeah. and it was, it was miserable, but I'm, I'm not a U.S. citizen. I'm from France originally. And I came to the U.S. when I was, 21 years old and I didn't, you need a visa. You need to be sponsored by a U.S. based company in order to just show up as a foreigner and work. And uh, this was my family business. My cousins owned this business and they were so gracious in giving me a job and sponsoring my visa, but I was literally stuck. I could not go work for another employer until I got permanent working papers, which takes, it took 10 years for me to get those. So I was working there out of necessity it was either that or go back to Europe and I really didn't want to got it okay okay got it so so when you made that leap to teaching full-time did you know that you were in the right space for you at that point yes as soon as I like said out loud I want to teach full-time and I'm going to give my notice at my family business which was just riddled with anxiety because no one quits the family business not in my family anyway they all everyone works for the family business um and I I literally sat on my couch and I'll never forget it I was just like looking up at the ceiling or something just completely lost in in the moment just crying just crying and crying for the first time in my life, tears of like absolute knowledge that I was in the right place for myself. I had been suffering for so long Mm -hmm. with this. I'm living somebody else's life. This is not my life. How did I get here? I had been stuck there for so long that when I finally like spoke it out loud, I didn't know how I was going to teach full-time. I didn't know who was going to hire me. I had no idea. I just knew that this was my 
this was my next step. And I just like wept and it felt so incredibly aligned and uh, I will forever be inspiring people to find that moment for themselves. Yeah. Isn't it interesting too, the way you describe it, there wasn't anything about where you were when you came to this realization and when you had this, uh, this moment, but yet you remember it staring up at the ceiling. Like I find that so interesting that you can kind of put yourself in your body in that physical space. And there was nothing really remarkable about the physical space, but yet it made such an impact on you. Yeah. There were two moments. There was that moment. And there was another one driving in my car to a yoga class. I don't remember which one. And I, I burst into tears. I'm like about to cry. Just like retelling that story. I just burst into tears going, I'm going to teach a yoga class. I'm going to go get paid to teach a yoga class. It was like one of the first weeks after I had, I had left the job. And I was just so incredulous that this was actually happening. And this yeah. was actually my life. And I was actually going to teach a yoga class at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday instead of being stuck behind that freaking computer yeah. in that office. And so yeah. how did you fill in the blanks, especially for people who are listening? I mean, right now, and we can get into this and I'm sure we will. I'm just thinking like for someone listening who currently is not teaching because the pandemic has, you know, obliterated whatever they had in place. How did you create that opportunity for yourself to teach a class when you didn't have one on your schedule? Do you remember? I mean, obviously the industry was very different back then, but. Um, well, I, I hate to say it because the opportunities came to me <laughs> and that's, how I knew I was in the right path. I, I said out loud, okay, I'm going full time. And then the woman who trained me to teach yoga hired me to teach at her studio before I even was certified. And I was like, but I'm not certified yet. She's like, doesn't matter. You're ready. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that was the first one. And then I actually made a little mini yoga resume with that one studio on it. And that one, um, and like that one training and like a couple of pictures from a little photo shoot I had done with my little camera. I don't even think iPhones were around, maybe just had come out at that point. And, um, and I, I got in my car and I drove to every studio in Los Angeles within like a five mile radius from me. And I asked to meet the owners in person and to introduce myself. And I think none of that actually resulted in, a, in, in being hired. One of them did, that's not true. One of them did, but what it did was create energy around, like I wanted this and I was gonna do whatever it took to get hired and that energy called the opportunities in. And then like a random friend of mine was like, oh, I'm, I know this studio, they're looking for a teacher, can I connect you? And that's how I got my first gigs. And there's one, my second gig after, um, after my teacher who hired me to teach for her studio, I went to a studio and it was kind of a progressive studio in that she wanted to bring in other yoga modalities, like things that are a little bit weird, like yoga with weights. And that's not that weird now, but yeah. like yoga sculpt and yoga, this and yoga, that not goat yoga, luckily, because don't get me started on goat yoga, but, um, <laughs> but she was like, if you can create something unique for me, I'll hire you. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what am I going to create? And my biggest thing is there is no pulling in yoga. It is yeah. a very push heavy yeah. And, yeah. and I found my own body after six years of exclusively practicing yoga, I had no pull strength whatsoever. So I got resistance bands and I created bands yoga, which was yoga with a pull structure in basically every pose. And so it's either biceps or shoulders or like overhead pulls or whatever. Yeah. And I, so I created that and she hired me to teach bands yoga and it happened to not pick up at all, but doesn't matter. So like if you're not yet teaching and you want to teach, put like put the energy out there. Start taking the steps towards creating the opportunities. Chances are the opportunities you think you're creating might not be the ones that land, but the the forward momentum is going to tell the universe, hey, give her opportunities. Like that's how it works. Right. Um, and if you're just sitting back going, I'm waiting for an opportunity to come, that's when nothing happens because you're not moving forward. So yeah. 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 I totally get that. So, um, so you're teaching, you're teaching for other people. I know you mentioned in the beginning of this conversation that you owned a studio for a while in LA, which, I mean, I live in Boston. We prior to the pandemic had a pretty active yoga scene, but I consider New York and LA kind of the hubs of yoga in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So how did it come to be that you opened a studio in probably one of the most busiest, most competitive yoga? Landscape? Yeah. So I didn't open a studio. I took over an existing studio. I took over the studio where I did my teacher training, where I got my very first teaching job. And again, again, retiring, the person decided. So she just wanted out. She wasn't retiring from teaching, but she wanted out. She had, the studio had been there for 16 years and she was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. And she overheard me. I was teaching a class and a student asked me like, do you think you'll ever open your own studio? I love your classes, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, maybe at some point in the future. And she was at the front desk and she overheard that. And she was like, I heard you say maybe you'd open a studio. Well, how would you feel about taking over my studio? And I was like, no, I literally just graduated teacher training. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'd been teaching for like less than a year at that point. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not in a position to own a yoga studio. So I said, no. And then fast forward a few weeks, I'm having dinner with my cousin, who was my previous employer that I had just quit working for. And he happens to be interested in investing in different uh, industries. So he's like, well, since you stopped working for me, I've been doing some research research into this yoga business. And it's a really big industry. He had like no idea about yoga. And I'm like, yeah, it's a big industry. He's like, well, how would you feel about investing in a yoga studio? I'll put in the money to get you started and you do all the work. And I was like, uh, no, but also if you're serious, there's this yoga studio that is being offered to me. And the papers were signed three weeks later. <laughs> wow. Now, like, what year yeah. was this? This was 2016. Okay. So not that long ago. Okay. So 2016. Okay. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, so five years ago. Okay. So Wow. I mean, that's another, I mean, you must be channeling the universe like all the time. The universe wants me to teach yoga. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Plugged into your current, your, your energetic body. So, okay. So now are you still teaching in the studio? Do you take on like this big, big administrative role? No. So I ran it. I ran it for five years. And in, uh, in March of 2020, we were shut down by COVID and immediately we pivoted to an online yoga studio, live streaming all of our classes. And I had wanted to get out of the studio business about a month after I got in. So I knew immediately that that was not my calling. And I did it because like, who, who has financing fall out of the sky into their lap? And who says no to that? Like, I thought I would be doing a big, I thought I was making a big mistake by not doing it. So I did it, but that little voice of my intuition was like, Hmm, this is not really your path. And I sort of silenced it and did it anyway. So I knew very early on that I did not want to run a yoga studio. But then that point I was like petrified to disappoint the community and to disappoint my business partner slash cousin and to have said yes now only to say no. So I just shut up and hunkered down and did the thing. For a long um, time. Yeah. For a long time. And then COVID happened and it was then I was really up against, okay, now I have a choice. I can fight for this studio to survive, or I can sort of just let it dwindle and go away because it's a pandemic and nobody would really fault me for that. I could not let it dwindle because there's a community of people that had been depending on this studio for 20 years, long before I came along. And I was not going to be the one to let it die. Right. But I ended up creating something else online during COVID And I sold the studio in December to my front desk manager for way less than we bought it for, but it didn't matter. I just wanted the community to continue living and I did not want to be responsible for it. So the community lives on. I walked away unscathed, well, a little bit scathed, but I walked away with the knowledge that the community still has that studio, both the physical space and the teachers and they just don't have me and they're doing great without me. So I had to get over myself too. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, so, all right. So we're in COVID, it shuts down. You make that switch to virtual, then you sell it to this person who worked with you. Mm -hmm. So then what happens? I mean, I Uh, know what happens to a certain extent because I listened to your interview with James. Yeah. Yeah. people through. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't sell the studio until this past December when I was already well into my next project, but in May of last year, so exactly just about exactly a year ago, 
I was studio sales were dwindling and I was just watch. I hadn't paid myself since March at this point. I was just barely breaking even to pay the rent for a closed building plus all of my staff. Um, and I was like, I need to do something to generate income. And I hate teaching vinyasa classes online. Like there has to be something else that I can do. And one of my biggest passions and what got me into yoga is our imbalances and inversions. Uh, my very first yoga class, I walked in and saw some lady jump into scorpion handstand from downward dog and was like, what is this? What is this? I didn't know adults could do this, not in the circus and not in a gymnastics class. And, and that's what kept me going back until I discovered Shavasana and then was like, oh, well, that's what's keeping me going back now. But the draw for me was very much the physical practice and very much the very challenging advanced asanas. Um, that was really what got me to stick with it. So fast forward 10 years in May, I was like, what do I want to really teach? And I was like, well, what, what students love about my classes is that I sequence strategically to get them to a peak pose. I always do a peak pose sequence, sometimes a body focus sequence or a, an anatomical action, but usually we're going somewhere fun and funky. And that's this my, my, what my students love most. And I was like, well, what, what if I create an eight week online course or online workshop that teaches them those fancy shapes. And um, that's what they love about my classes anyway. So why don't I highlight that? So I did a four week arm balances and four week inversions course, and they could either sign up and this was all live like zoom workshops. They could either sign up for one or the other, or they got a discount if they signed up for all eight weeks. And so I proposed this to my studio um, students and they loved it and, and we did it. And after that, I was like, huh, like this could be a thing. Why don't I like do this for the world? And then I got scared and I didn't do it because I was thinking this is not yoga. Anybody who knows yoga knows this is not yoga. Yes, these are postures that are found inside the asana practice, but I do not want to be the person to perpetuate the Instagram conversation that in order to do yoga, you have to look a certain way and do a certain shape and be able to stand on your hands because that's not what it's about. So I was up against that for a long time, afraid Even to be judged. You didn't necessarily believe that you knew that that was a perception that was out there. Yeah. That's the perception that's out there. And it's sad because people are like, well, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible. I'm like, honey, you get more flexible as you do yoga. All you need to do is be able to breathe. That's it. You don't even need to be able to move your body to do yoga. So it's like, like, I didn't want to perpetuate this idea that you have to be something you're not, or have to be, you know, like wear Lululemon or Olo or whatever all the brands are. Like, I didn't want to play into that at all. And creating an arm balance and inversions course plays directly into that. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. So I, I really struggled and I didn't do it and I didn't do it. But in the meantime, I was involved in transformational leadership trainings last year, which really asked me to excavate my, like, what is my core message in the world and why am I on this planet? So and you, ultimately, were you were participating as a yeah. participant in workshops. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And I, I really got clear during COVID on like, what is my purpose on this planet? And my purpose is to uplift, to inspire, and to help people recognize that they are enough and they are powerful and they are capable. And there is nothing we cannot do when we decide to do it. And also to change our mindset about what's possible for our lives. I spent my whole life going, I can't live this kind of life because insert excuse, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Who's going to listen to me? Who am I to blah, 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 blah. And when I got on the other side of that, like magic is possible. And I created a life that I absolutely love and a business that I love. And my students are constantly telling me how I am impacting, not just what they can do on the yoga mat, but what's, what they now feel is possible for them off the mat. And I was like, well, if I present arm balances and inversions as a way in to that kind of self-love, then I'm okay with it. Then I can stand behind it. Mm -hmm. And when I got clear on that message, I dared to officially launch that course to the world. <laughs> and that was this past September. Got it. Yeah. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is you found kind of, you know, to, I know we talked about this with the James Wedmore pro program, the business program, the vehicle to help people kind of reach their highest potential was 
is these poses that kind of push them to their edge of learning and maybe on some level to their edge of physical uh, capabilities um, and, and allows them to see that they're capable of more than maybe they thought they were. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, it's really, it's about pushing to the edge of fear because mm -hmm. for most people, it's, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt myself. I'm afraid I'm going to break my neck. I'm afraid I'm going to fail so many times and not succeed. And how many, how much is that fear also in the rest of our lives? Yeah. I can't do this because I'm afraid. I'm afraid yeah. to fail. And guess what? Sometimes I'm even afraid to succeed is the story that we get because the responsibility that comes with success or whatever it might be for each person. So it's really, for me, it's about bringing us up against our fear and our limiting beliefs and giving us a playground to break through them. And it's amazing to see when someone struggles with crow pose because my butt is too big is the story that they're telling. And a week after working with me, they're like holding their crow pose like a champion. Like that, that my butt is too big story is gone, mm -hmm. just gone. And it's gone from the next time they put on a pair of jeans mm -hmm. is the beautiful thing. It mm -hmm. like, there's a direct correlation to the rest of, the, of your life. And so I, I don't know, I'm just like super excited that people have been receptive to that message yeah i mean i can tell from talking to you that it really lights you up to see other people and how the poses is a pathway in for them to see what their true capabilities are and to drop those self-limiting beliefs like what you're just describing so can you tell us a little bit about what your program looks like now and um, how people find out about it and what they're doing when they're in it yeah. So it's an, I, I sell it as an eight week course, but I don't know anyone who's just done it for eight weeks and then left. It's a community that's been growing. And I still have people in our Facebook group that joined in September and that are still an active part of the community. And the beauty of, of yoga, especially the physical practice, as you know, if you're listening to this is there is no end you get, you get, there's just more and more and more, and then transitions between poses and then getting better at controlling your body. And so it, there is no like ending point where you're like, cool, I've achieved that. I'm done. Right. It is the gift that keeps on giving. So the course is, um, is an eight week course. And I, I provide it in two different ways. It's either a self-study program where people go through the curriculum on their own and they're part of a Facebook community where they can take videos of what they're practicing and post them. And we give them tips and feedback and we celebrate um, their wins and we help them when there's face plants because face plants happen. And I have a staff of people in the Facebook group also offering support. And then I also offer it as a, um, a live program. So they get the self-study modules, but every Saturday they get on a live two hour workshop with me and we work module by module. Actually, I, I teach the material live we do a, you know, warm up. We talk about activation of muscle groups. We talk about physical actions that need to happen for every group of poses. Um, and then I watch them on zoom and I have my staff come in with me and then we do breakout rooms so we can give people individual attention and feedback and help them crack the poses. And, um, yeah, and ever, and there's, there's a mindset component infused in all of it, uh, in the recorded material. And also in the live material, I talk a lot about because people get frustrated and they're like, oh, you know, five times I've tried this and I keep falling. And I'm like, stop, look, where else does this happen that you get frustrated when something doesn't happen? Like, what is another choice you could make in this moment that would serve you better than frustration? And it's just like, so it's, it's all kind of mixed into one, but I deliver it in those two ways, either live or self-study. And the, the main difference is price point. Uh, okay. So, you know, it's funny. I I, I can imagine some people are maybe thinking it must be challenging to teach something like this online as the primary mode of delivery of the information. So can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, I know some teachers are saying just teaching general yoga classes because of the lockdown that started last year was challenging. And here you're taking on not just teaching yoga classes, but teaching arm balances and inversions. You know, I thought it would be not just difficult, but I thought it would be impossible because in yoga class, like the way I came up learning yoga, the teacher is always spotting you. You're right. doing a headstand for the first time. You're doing a handstand for the first time. You're kicking up to the wall. There's someone grabbing your hips and guiding them to the wall. And I was like, how, how am I going to do this online? Right. And what I have learned is personal agency. 
people are capable, perfectly capable of getting to the wall or getting up when there isn't a helicopter mom hovering over them being like, don't hurt yourself, don't hurt yourself, don't hurt yourself. We, I teach everything meticulously with a strong attention to building a really safe, stable foundation before you even go up so that your body, your mind is ready for you to go up and you don't need me. You don't need anybody to hold you. Mm. And it's amazing. I, I was floored. I, and that's why I sort of I tested the waters with my yoga studio before I made it a bigger thing because right. I was like, is this even going to work? Is it going to work? And right. it works. And when we have someone standing next to us going, hold on, I've got you, I've got you. That somehow diminishes our, our knowledge that we've got ourselves. Right. It's like, oh, I need my teacher standing there. Well, that's because your teacher told you that they're going to be standing there. Right. But if there's no teacher standing there, you are fully capable all by yourself. Right. And yes, maybe it might take a little bit longer to get over that fear of, oh my God, I'm by myself, but it, it works and it's possible. And I find that the progress is even faster because people have to figure out how to use their body. And once they've figured out how to use their body, like the sky is the limit. Yeah. It's funny. Something that you're, as you're talking you know, I'm, I'm getting these thoughts about the real key to me, it seems in why this works is exactly what you said, which is that you're focusing on giving the correct instruction. And, you know, you mentioned also focusing on foundation and it's interesting because when I think about, I mean, you've probably been in classes, I've been in classes when kind of that if crow is in your practice, do it that kind of, and I'm like, well, why don't you fucking teach it? Because people want to know how to do it. Like that is, you know, such a, such a, just a lazy phrase that has really no instructional intention behind it. And so just exactly what you said, when you give somebody really good instruction, to a certain extent, it doesn't matter if you're in the room, but if you're in the room and you don't give them good instruction, that's not going to be helpful either. Yeah. Yeah. And in, I hundred percent agree with you. And in the defense of the teachers who are teaching propos in the middle of a flow, there is just no time. Like even me, I'm so passionate about teaching the alignment and the, the, the I call them tricks. They're not tricks. It's just like the stuff that you don't know. Cause no one tells you like joint stacking like hasta banda, like engaging your fingers. And then people complain they have wrist pain. And I'm like, your fingers are dead. You're not using them, but no one tells them that. Right. And I try to teach those things in the context of a one hour or 75 minute vinyasa class. And I can still only fit in maybe five minutes, 10 minutes at the very most. My crow pose workshop is 90 minutes. Like I break down what your pinky finger is doing. You know, it's like, so it, there is just no time in a yoga class. And I had great teachers who did teach me this stuff in a vinyasa class, but I also sought out workshops on workshops on workshops on workshops and, and took so many workshops to learn what I learned. Um, but it's, yeah, it is difficult to, to teach adequately in the context of a class. And a lot of people are just lazy about it. Like if you have a headstand, take it now. Okay, well, how do I, I don't, people are just sitting there looking around the room at the two people who do know how to do a headstand. And that's really, that's actually my marketing messaging. It's like, are you ready to not feel like an idiot when the teacher calls out a complicated pose name and you're like, I don't know, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's, I agree. What do you do about the perception that people have that some of these posts, and I, I don't buy into this perception, but I know it's out there, headstands unsafe, some of these postures are unsafe, it's, it's not healthy to do these things that put you at risk. Well, I, I'm not a doctor, and I cannot take responsibility for people's physical injuries, but I'm very clear that if you have a cervical spine disc herniation, whiplash injury, any reason why your doctor would tell you to not do a headstand, please don't do a headstand. I'll teach you pincha. You can do pincha. Um, And headstand, especially shirshasana A, if done correctly, it's not putting pressure on your head. It's actually pushing up and out of the shoulders. Most people are just like, I'm going to hang out here in my headstand. That being said, I teach all of the seven Ashtanga headstands 
all but the no hands one. I can't, I don't teach that one, but I teach on all of them. And anybody who's coming with any fear around hurting their neck because of a prior neck injury, I will straight up tell them, please do not do the other six. You're doing Shoshasana A and only if you are ready and willing to assume the risk to go on to the other ones, go on to the other ones because they do have way more pressure on your neck. But barring a neck injury, I honestly don't think they're that dangerous. Our bodies are resilient. If you train strengthening the muscles along the spine, if you train strengthening the neck and uh, flexors and extensors, there's no reason why you can't hold yourself up in a headstand. I think we fear monger a lot in the yoga world. Like don't let your knee go valgus. Like you're going to hurt your knee. No, you're not like soccer players walking around the world. Your knees are constantly going in and out. There's a reason why we want to focus on alignment. To me, it's all about being present and paying attention to what you're doing more so than hurting yourself. But I think there's a lot of you're going to hurt yourself if you do this or that in yoga. And, and it has reduced our understanding of mobility and physical freedom of movement. And I'm trying to dismantle that. I teach bringing in different movement modalities into my yoga classes. Cause I think we really need to, we need to re rediscover the freedom of movement that yoga alignment has taken away. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I do think fear monitoring is a really good term. And I think it comes out when teachers, I know teachers who enroll in my program, almost all of them have this concern around, I want to teach safe classes. And while I think that that phrase is um, well-intentioned, I think it oftentimes comes from a teacher's fear that there's something inherent in yoga that is unsafe um, and it has the potential, you know, knee, shoulders, neck to create problems. And to a certain extent, it's no much more safe or unsafe than any other thing that people are doing for fitness. But if you have good anatomy knowledge, you have the information to apply to what you're teaching to bring the risk down. So I, I totally agree with you on that. I think that narrative has been out there. The SI joints unstable, all these other things. Don't put your foot on the inside of your knee and tree. You're going to hurt your knee. And it's like a game of telephone. It just gets passed on and passed on. And it has sustained, you know, many, many, many years. So I think it's really, it's good to bring that up. And I think it sounds like too, like I said earlier, what you're doing is you're teaching the how. And once you teach the how, um, you bring the risk down. And additionally, the other thing that you said that I really um, can appreciate or I do appreciate is the responsibility of the student. When you said right at the beginning, if you have, like you should come if you've been cleared by your doctor or if you have any of these conditions, don't. there is a responsibility. And for some reason, it seems yoga teachers oftentimes take on all of it, when in fact the student is there, virtual or in person, of their own free will, and they have a responsibility to be knowledgeable about their body and to only be in a yoga class if it's appropriate for them to be there. Yeah, and to and to listen to pain too. I mean, I have students who come to me and go, "This really hurts when I do this," and I'm like, "Well, how long have you been continuing to do this, even though it really hurts? Like, how long did it take you to tell me first of all that it really hurts?" And my answer is going to be, "Don't do it," or "Let's take a look and see if I can identify an alternative movement that might help you." But also, I'm not your doctor. Right. Your doctor. Scope of practice, I think, is teachers, we think that we have to have all the answers and referring out is perfectly acceptable. Totally. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, you bring up this thing about, well, how long have you had it? And, and that I think is the key issue. Like if we're going to take responsibility for our bodies, whether it's the mole that looks weird or the stomach pain that we have all the time or whatever, um, that's part of our job as owners of this container, right, is to take care of it, just like we take care of our car. So I totally, totally appreciate that. So you mentioned before that you started taking, you know, courses and I don't know, did you say personal, no, you didn't say personal development. How did you? I called it transformational leadership, which is basically okay. personal development. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I just wanted to cap capture the right essence. Yeah, there. yeah. And, and I know from your conversation with James, and I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about kind of where you see your program going, because it sounds like because you're tapping into these different aspects of the people who are enrolled, 
you're now getting ideas about really expanding upon that aspect of what you're doing with them. Yeah, I think ultimately my 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 real mission is to is to help people believe in themselves and create a life that they are excited to wake up for in the morning. And while teaching ninja tricks is doing that to a degree, I think at a certain point, my body is going to be like, please stop. I'm good. And, um, and, and ultimately I'm going to want to get there more directly than teaching all these yoga shapes in order to get people there. So I think creating some kind of, 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 program that really asks people to excavate through their past and their history and their stories and their limiting beliefs and asking them to rewrite a more empowering story. Um, that's where I'm headed. I, I may even be somewhere in the business space, like taking people who think that they want to create their own business, but are too scared and have all these reasons why it's not possible and getting their mind right. I don't necessarily want to teach them how to do the business part, but the bridge from I can't to, okay, I'm ready. And then pass them off to someone like James Wedmore, <laughs> but like do the, that, that bridge between I, I can't, and I'm ready. So yeah, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm also, I do teacher trainings. I run retreats with my partner, um, all over the world. And I also, uh, want to create another course for yoga teachers on strategic sequencing for, uh, arm balances and inversions specifically so that I, I can empower other teachers to teach this stuff. And I'm just like, there are not enough hours in the day. So I get to prioritize where I'm going, but I think the, the helping people get out of their own way is, is really going to stick. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one thing I forgot to ask when we were talking more in depth about your program, uh, and you were sharing a little bit about some of the conversations with the students who are enrolled give us a sense of the kinds of people that are enrolling and like, why are they inspired to, because I mean, now that you're online, it's very different than when you did that beta test with your yoga studio, where you probably knew a lot of those people and they were like at home on lockdown, like, Hey, we'll sign up, you know, we'll do this. But now you're out there globally. So who, who is showing up for this? It is so wild. It, I couldn't have imagined the, the vast um, array of people that we have, but the most impressive to me has been men and women over 50 years old. More than 35% of our community is people in their mid to like mid 50s to mid 70s. I couldn't possibly have imagined that. I specifically don't market to anybody under 25 because they need to just go have their experiences and then come to me when you're a little bit more seasoned in your being. But, um, but I'm just floored at the, the women who are like, I'm a four-time grandma and I want to stand on my hands. And I'm like, fuck, yes, you do. Let's do this. And they're like in a second wind of, of rediscovering their power and rewriting, you know, just, just like coming out of, of a, a shell in some way at that stage of life, which to me is just, wow, like I want to be just like them when I, when I grow up, you know? Yeah. And so we have like a huge community of, uh, of people 55 plus, I would say. Um, and then a lot of yoga teachers who feel inadequate at not being able to teach, to do this stuff, let alone teach it, which to me is so sad because again, yoga is not about the fancy tricks and why as yoga teachers, do people feel inadequate if they can't do propose? Like, no, on the contrary, you're well poised to teach people about the deeper teachings of yoga. Who cares about propose? So, yeah. but I do, I, I have a lot of yoga teachers who are coming to improve their own practice so that they can then share those teachings and just feel a little more confident in their own physical yeah. skills. Yeah. Um, and then, and then everyone in between practitioners, a lot of beginners, a lot of beginners who I think like me mm -hmm. were, attracted by this yeah yeah and I get to be their way in to mm -hmm. the 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 breath work and the the meditative aspects and the yamas and niyamas and the, the transformational pieces but they came in because they saw a Facebook ad of me doing some weird handstand and that's they're like I want to do that and I have no idea about yoga so there's a lot of that as well and then we have you know yoga practitioners who are like I've been practicing for years but right. the teachers never explain and I don't know how to do it. And so primarily we've got probably mid thirties 
to, to late sixties is our, our, our age range. Yeah. Um, but as far as like walks of life and types of people, that's, that's primarily who shows up. Mm-hmm. And are they in the U S primarily, or are you getting people from all over? All over. We have a, I created a map actually kind of mapping where everyone's from. And, uh, the vast majority is Europe, uh, a lot of Australia, New Zealand, um, and, and some in the U S obviously, yeah. um, very little South America, but, yeah. um, but yeah, all over the place, but most of my students are from Europe. Okay. So when you do your live classes, do you kind of work out the time? It's a nightmare. I feel bad for my Australian students. They mostly buy our, um, our self-study program because they can't make it is, is virtually impossible to find a time that can be attended by everyone. So right. our classes are at 8 a.m. Pacific time, which is 4 p.m. in the UK, which is 8 p.m. in the United Arab Emirates. And that's about as big of a gap as I can create without having it be the middle of the night for someone. Right, um, right. Yeah. yeah, I run into that myself and I've had people log on to things and they're like, oh, it's 4.30 in the morning for me. I'm like, oh my God. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I have replays of everything, but they do miss out on the live component and I yeah. feel bad. So I've sort of tweaked where I promote my course because I also want to be fair to people. I don't want to dangle something in front of them that they're not going to be able to participate in fully. Yeah. And they can do, as you say, they can do the self-study one and, and that's yeah. great as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, one thing I realized we didn't actually talk about is what the name of your program is. So why don't you tell us what that is? It's called Yogi Flight School. Ah, yeah. We teach you to fly, you not just on your mat, but in your yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. How did you come up with, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious since they're arm balancing, but was that kind of your inspiration? I mean, I almost kind of see flight as a dual kind of meaning, like it can be flight from your self-limiting beliefs. That's exactly what it is. It's kind of a play on words. I mean, like flight, like you get to fly and soar in your life like a bird. Um, But also, you know, when we would, I would go to yoga classes in LA and they'd be like, okay, now if you want to fly into handstand or we're going to fly today. So the, just this term fly to represent arm balances has just always been in my understanding of those poses. And so when it came time to name it, it was only like, it just came to me. I was like, Yogi Flight School, of course. That's and um, yeah, that is great. So one other thing I'm kind of, you know, especially now that you're living in Mexico for some period of months, how has that changed kind of how you're running things and like just the impact on your life? How, how is that going? It hasn't. The beauty of what I do now is all I need is an internet connection and, and everything runs exactly as it always did. I actually have, uh, we, we rented a beautiful house, uh, Airbnb, and I have like a little makeshift studio that I didn't have in my apartment in Los Angeles because it was way smaller than this cool house we're in now. So it's actually given me more room and more space to, to teach. Um, and I'm two hours closer to my European students now than I was in LA. So I used to have to get up and teach the workshops at 8 a.m. Now I don't have to wake up and teach. To, well, I still wake up, but I don't have to teach till 10 a.m. So it's actually improved my quality of life <laughs> in getting me closer to the majority of my students. But, um, but as far as change, uh, this is why I'm excited about this uh, business. I mean, other than the fact that I get to make an awesome impact on people, um, I love that I can do it from anywhere and I'm for the first time in my life, I'm not tied to a physical location. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I mean, certainly when you own a studio, I've never owned a studio and that was exactly why you can't I go anywhere. Yeah. wanted to be kind of, you know, kind of locked down to having that physical space to be responsible for. So yeah. what do you kind of see for yourself when this current nomadic phase is done where do you see yourself landing back in LA or you're not sure yet or what do you think I I love LA I'd love to be back in LA but I'm also open to seeing other places um so I have no no idea my partner and I discuss it often and uh, we're talking about ending up in Europe for some time um potentially but I think like ultimate long game goal is like I said we run retreats and I think finding a property somewhere that we could buy and then turn into a retreat center will be right. the long game. Yeah. But that's probably like 10 years down the road, maybe five. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm sure, I mean, given everything you described, I'm sure, you know, you'll probably randomly be at the market and somebody will be like, oh, we have a wine retreat <laughs> in Normandy. And you'll be like, oh, great, I love wine and I'm a yoga teacher. Oh, would you? I totally am sure I'll hear that story at some point in the future for you. <laughs> Pretty much how it's been happening. So yes, you're not, <laughs> you are not off base. Would not be surprised. Well, this has been amazing. I really, really enjoyed finding out more about you. And I think this is such, it's not really a niche, but it is kind of a niche when you look at yoga and, you know, kind of what people can enroll in to learn. And I really like how you kind of demystified a lot of the myths that are out there about arm balances. And, and I can totally tell that, you know, people are going to feel supported by you when they're learning these poses that they might have some fear over and you know like the clarity with which you speak and obviously you're super knowledgeable and you know I, I love that you're kind of helping people stand on their own two feet but upside down I think that that is just just really or not being on their feet at all and that that is really a a wonderful way to find out about yourself for sure so thank you so so very much Thank you so much. It's been yeah. such a pleasure to chat and I'm really yeah. grateful that you invited me. Thank you. Yes, for sure. So tell people um, how they can find out more about your program or maybe they're listening to this and they're like, oh my God, I need this in my life. I want to enroll. Just Karen, have her tell us how we can do it. So how are they going to find you? You're so sweet. Yes. So it's yogiflightschool.com. I've got a free training on there. You can sign up for it'll take you through kind of my approach. Uh, we break down propose in very much detail, okay. and uh, and then I'm going to do that because I want yeah. I want to absorb the teaching. So I would definitely okay. So go on yogiflightschool.com. Yeah. Training. Do the free training. If you like it, you can sign up for the course as well. There's a link there. Um, there's also a link to my retreats, and then okay. you can follow us on Instagram at Yogi Flight School. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Pretty simple. Awesome. So in terms of finding you on social media, like I'm, I found you, Natalia, on social media, that's your social media, but yeah. you normally have people go through the Yogi Flight School. On if you, yeah, if you want to follow me personally, I post very little. I'm not very active on my personal Instagram. That's like one modality I have not okay. gotten I'm just behind, saying. but it's listeners that want they yes want please yes so it's it's nattastic yoga n-a-t-t-a-s-t-i-c yoga nattastic got it and on instagram is yogi flight school on there as its own page yeah okay got it all right great well i will definitely i'll do the pro thing because yeah please do i'm i'm, so I'm gonna send you access to my course you can just oh. be an honorary yogi flight schooler <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing and you know what i actually think I remember when my boyfriend and I first met many, many years ago, he wanted me to teach him crow pose and he used to be very fascinated by that posture. So I actually think I'm going to have him go through the crow pose thing too. I think he would actually really get a kick out of it. Awesome. And he always like brings things up to me and I'm like, yeah, I could teach you that. And he's like, yeah, I guess you could, but I actually think they'll take your teaching better. <laughs> so, is that funny? Yeah, how it works. Sometimes you're too close to teach your person. They need to right. learn from somebody else. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, thank you so much. Um, I, I just really, really love this. And as far as timing on this, we're recording this on Monday, June 28th. And within 12 hours or so, this will be live. So I will send you the link. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. You're Jackson, fast. Jackson's great. And he'll get it whipped up and packaged up. So awesome. and we'll have the video and the audio. So you can share the video link. You can share the audio link. It's on iTunes, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. So you'll have- You're amazing. I'll send it out to my whole community so they can follow you as well. Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll stay in touch. I love the connection and I love how it all came to be. I was just driving down the road listening and I'm like, I need to have her on my podcast. So maybe I'll circle back to James and say, hey- Podcast to podcast, it made it. Natalia made it. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, I would love to talk to you once we get off the recording about your anatomy course. Sure, absolutely. If you want to do that now, I can just send you another Zoom link. Yeah, or you can just stop the recording, or do you need to like? Oh, keep yes. It going? I, 
do that. I can even do that. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to end. I this- mean, we can keep recording it. I just don't necessarily think it needs to be in the podcast or next uh, conversation. No, <laughs> it should not be. So we'll end this here. I'm just going to take a quick pause and then we'll have okay. the rest of this. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my Mentorship Program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.